Hello, I'm Matt Bergman, and you are listening to the Punk Rock Libertarians Podcast, episode 196. I'm here tonight with Jared Schneiderman. Hey, everybody. Philip Dassing. What's up? We got Kyle Wagner up in this piece. Hey, guys. And the one and only Arvin Vora. Hey, guys. Hell yeah. So if you're, if you're not, uh, if you don't know who Arvin is, Arvin was the former vice chairman of the National Libertarian Party. And uh, in 2020, Arvin will be... Um, trying president. to trying to get the he's trying to get be the presidential <laughs> candidate of the Libertarian Party. So, what else would you say, Arvin? How else would you introduce yourself? I think that's basically it. I mean, you know, people know my goals, right? My political goals are I want to end the income income tax. I want to end the welfare state. The cultural goals are that I want to end worship of groups that I don't think should be worshipped. I'm not a fan of military worship. I don't think that public school teachers are doing anything good. In fact, I think they're doing something extremely bad. And I have zero sympathy for federal workers. If you sign on to be part of the enemy of the people, you can't be too surprised when sometimes the people fight back. So I do believe in cultural change. I believe in political change. And as I've mentioned to uh, many folks, that if I'm elected... One of the first things that I'll, I'll be doing is taking on the role of partner in chief, which means if you did a if you committed a quote crime that has no victim, I'll be setting you free on my first day. Hell yeah! Mm, that sounds pretty blazed, dude. <laughs> you sound pretty blazed. <laughs> yeah. A little bit, yeah. So uh, yeah, Kyle, would you say that that sounds blazed? Uh, no, I I don't uh, don't smoke. <laughs> <laughs> okay so uh yeah man that's that sounds uh like uh pretty fucking awesome um who else is running in 2020 that we know of at this point i mean we've got adam kokash adam kokash right I mean, some people are people are, there's a lot of speculation i've heard some people saying bill weld i think bill weld will almost certainly run mm. wow Ugh. I'd say almost. I mean, almost certainly. Now, I could be wrong about that, but from everything I've seen from his behaviors, like how he's, how he's, you know, the, the feelers he's putting out, how people are talking, it seems like he's going to run. Well, like, or he's just creating a bunch of buzz for no reason at all, which would kind of be inexplicable. Well, let's think about it for a second. Why he might see an avenue? Um, because Trump is uh, almost certainly going to get the Republican nomination yep. again, barring uh, some sort of legal impeachment or something. So any Republican is not going to see an avenue. Um, to run, and then uh, he's not going to run as a Democrat, although if it's Bill Weld, we could argue maybe he could. <laughs> uh, you know, so the, de the Democrats are going to have their candidate, and then you're going to have people, opportunists like Bill Weld, looking at the Libertarian Party going, hey, there's my shot. I can get my name out there. I can become the alternative to the Mitt Romney crowd and all the uh, normal Republicans who just don't... Trump is too extreme for them. He's too nationalist. You know, there are a lot of anti-Trump Republicans who will never vote down. Democrat, so you but know. What's his end game, though? I mean, does he actually think he can win as a libertarian candidate? I would doubt it, but yeah. I mean, okay. You I, know, I, 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 I want to take a know. poll right now. Like, would would who here would vote for Bill Weld if he got the LP's nomination? If he had the nomination, yeah. See, that puts us in a tricky situation, though, right? Because I don't know who is more libertarian, Trump or Weld. I mean, <laughs> I could see an argument for either. I mean, it's kind of like. You know who's the fastest snail in this race type of situation? I, yeah, I, I, yeah. In, in which case, like I think Trump's going to win anyways, and I have a higher standard for libertarians or people that claim to be libertarian. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, so, we should keep our own house clean. 
Yeah, exactly. That that is that is about keeping your own yeah. house clean. You know, I, I mean, like, if, you, if you give me a guy like that, I'm not, rooms, I'm not going to vote Peterson, for him. So. So, so here's here's my. I mean, you know, people have asked me about the the twenty the, the twenty sixteen Gary Lobsters. Johnson campaign. And while I was waste here, I, I you know, had to kind of keep my mouth a little bit shut on on some of my views on it. Yeah, Johnson's like so much cooler than Weld, though. Yeah, but here's the thing. Like, if you look at the actual, there's there's two things that people forget. Right, first they're like, oh my god, Gary Johnson got the most votes of any previous libertarian. Fine. But you know who else also got a lot of votes? The Green Party that year. Well, yeah. The he, Green Party sh- in 2016 shattered previous libertarian records. You know what I mean? Wow. So whoever we had put up. Yeah, that, that was my argument. Yeah. Whoever we had put up at that time was going to shatter the record. Guaranteed. It, doesn't mat- it wouldn't have mattered who. And the result of the Johnson campaign has just been confusion. All people know is what he's told them, which is some vague stuff about the fair tax and said that he doesn't want to legalize drugs or that he wouldn't legalize drugs. I mean, that, that's about as far okay. as we've gotten. Well, yeah, here's, how I, here's why I like Johnson. So he, um, he's, first off, he, succeeded in, the no private, like he succeeded in the private sector. Well, does, I mean, I think Weld has been pretty successful in the private sector too, right? I, know, I don't know too much about him. but And I think maybe even before that, though, it's just... Uh, you know, I buy Gary Johnson. I, I think he is a genuinely, genuinely nice person. Whereas with Bill Weld, I think he's more of like the professional politician. It, it's to me, it's like uh, you know, Gary Johnson is the the dude who started the one man handyman business. You know, just like crushed it in the private sector, and then was a, a two term Republican governor who was talking about uh, you know. Drug, uh, you know, legalization of marijuana Sorry, as a Republican folks. during the nineties. I mean, you, you, I think you make a point. I mean, while Gary Johnson was talking about legalizing drugs, I mean, Gary Johnson when he was young was visionary. I mean, I've seen a lot of his early speeches. I was like, yeah. wow, well, I wish that guy would have run because that guy would have been awesome. And at that time, you're right. I mean, Weld was, I think he was a federal prosecutor at the time. So, I mean, yeah, they're coming at this from a little bit of a different thing. But I don't want. It's not so much that I want to judge people at, at a personal level because. You know, I think that Bill Weld is probably a good person. I don't know him super well. What do you think brought him to the Libertarian Party? Like, I feel like Donald Trump brought him to the Libertarian Party. Probably. And it seemed like he was... And then, plus, here's the other thing about Weld, dude, that, that what I would say is unforgivable. That he endorsed he, Hillary? Yeah, exactly. Endorsed <laughs> Hillary on Rachel Maddow. Yeah. And see, that's what I'm saying. Like, if, if he'd been up there, right, he's on Rachel Maddow. He could have said anything he wanted to. Because the chances of winning are slim. He could have plugged Bitcoin. He could have said, use jury nullification. And, and instead, you know he, I mean? he plugged Hillary Clinton. He could have and, done you know, and then, <laughs> That's not a dirty. But, uh, <laughs> you know, you know and, and out of the two, out of Clinton and Trump, you know, I didn't vote for either, and I wouldn't have voted for either, unless you held a gun to my head. Th- then i choose. I'm not going to die over it. And guess what? I would have chosen Donald Trump any fucking day. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and Weld's going to endorse Hillary? Like a day before the election? Here's the thing. Most of the people who are running right now, uh, me, Adam Kokesh, Kim Ruff is running, Dan, they, we have all been in interviews. You know, I've been in some like national, international ones. Yeah, but I, you never endorsed Hillary. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but what I'm saying is in each of those interviews, you can see what we're going to do. Like even when I'm on, you know, something like, you know, where, where people are really trying to like get me to talk about one topic. You've seen that I'm going to talk about ending the drug yeah, war. You're a master bringing diverter. Bringing the troops home. I'm going to talk about leaving Syria. I'm going to talk about leaving the entire Middle East. You're going to talk about whatever the fuck you yeah, want to talk, talk about. about that. And I'm never going to want to endorse Hillary. That's not going to be at the top of my list ever. And 
It's not that Bill Weld had, ne- had never done interviews before. He had done interviews before, and each one was the same nonsense, soft-sell nonsense that didn't really talk about libertarian values, except when he was specifically talking to the Libertarian National Convention, he kind of played it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. It's very, very, very true. That's talking to your audience, you know. I mean, uh, the Republican candidates do that, too. Um, they'll In the primaries, they, they really go farther right or more conservative and then once they win the nomination they come back to the center yeah and, and I, try I to become it, more moderate so i think it's smart to talk to your audience but yeah. you, you never endorse hillary that's just what you don't do <laughs> yeah no i mean i i'm don't it's like disagree going with you um i i never i i didn't even like gary johnson as much as uh you did well, or bill well they were always um very moderate or mushy in my from my standpoint you know as a as a minarchist yeah i i, I like johnson a lot um yeah and, and, we know and, you do right <laughs> I, liked, I liked his he would always say like uber everything i thought that was pretty cool it was a nice like i you know very supportive idea. of free markets and um you know that Uber business model. We have the Lime and the Bird scooters in Baltimore City now. They're they're awesome. Like I just love the idea of you pull up your phone and you order whatever service you need, be mm-hmm. it uh, healthcare or education, or, prostitute or anything. So to say Uber everything was a That's pretty really was need. a pretty cool uh, <laughs> pretty cool idea. Um, and then There's he, he w- actually was pretty good on war too. I thought. I mean, certainly oh, yeah. compared to uh, your regular Republicans. So. I don't know. I, v- I voted for Gary, and I don't. I don't have any regrets about that. In, in the primary, actually, I mean, I've, I voted for Gary Johnson in the general election. In the primary, I voted for Daryl Perry on on every ballot that I had the opportunity to, because the 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 fact is, maybe Daryl Perry's not the the you know he's not maybe as charismatic in certain ways as Gary Johnson. Although personally, I think he's more charismatic in a lot of ways. But a lot of people say he's not charismatic. Fine, whatever. But the simple fact <laughs> is this: when Daryl Perry is on the radio, when he's on TV, when he's doing whatever. You can't get him to not talk about some massive cut to government. You give that guy a microphone for 15 seconds, he's talking about something big and disruptive. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can you give Gary Johnson the biggest opening in the world to talk about ending the drug war. What does he say? We're not going to try to end the drug war. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that that to me is. When is, is wh- what do you mean? What do you mean? He was asked point blank numerous times during the campaign if he would if he wanted to legalize drugs, and he said no. Really. Not all drugs, yeah. He, he Not all drugs, drugs, right? Like, he would kind of make it... I think it was his hit, Austin Peterson, I think it was, when I think he got caught behind that, and I think it was, like, one of those... God, I, I think this is what it was. It was, it was put out there, like, oh, so you think kids should be have access to heroin or something like that? And Yeah, to five-year-olds, Five-year-olds, thank you, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he was like, Kyle, well, where do you no, draw no. the line on heroin? Six? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a good question. Um... You know, I do think you need some uh, regulation on uh, age restrictions on selling drugs to minors. I don't know. Call call me a communist. <laughs> I'm okay, going to call you a communist, Kyle, and here's why. To me, <laughs> if, if, if you have kids, Shit. part of the responsibility of having kids is don't buy them heroin. Now, if your kids have like a salary that allows them to support a heroin addiction... Honestly, you've done good parenting in one area. You trained them to have good economic skills, strong work ethic, apparently, because I don't know where they're getting all this money from. 
but you kind of failed on that other parental duty of teaching them not to do heroin all the time. Yeah, well, that gets into the child protective services kind of stuff. So where do you draw the line as far as... child protective services so quickly. As far as the state uh, usurping parental rights, like, hey, uh, I mean, when you, ha you have some parents that are actually physically abusive um, or, you know, that are mentally abusive and just are really te terrible parents. And so right now we have um, the government, which by most accounts doesn't do the best job but it is a, it is a mechanism to um take those kids away from those those parents who are abusing them yeah, and and, i and, and i, I and think and, uh, you need that get them into prison and have the highest incarceration rate in the world yeah i i mean i i agree that the it, rate is he, too high but some of the people that are in there i think belong in there Kyle how did your parents keep you off smack <laughs> <laughs> well, they they i i think we're good parents you know, comparatively <laughs> compared to someone who maybe uh gives their kids drugs <laughs> but there are some is this is this a pandemic going on of parents buying heroin for their kids no it's not a pandemic but i mean it's it's theoretically possible that it could happen okay here and here's here's the problem that i have with all this right because the the, the goal here is to improve things right and the classic thing is people say, well, in an open anarchist society, this wouldn't be perfect. No kidding. But it's not perfect right now. Right now, parents are abusing kids. Right now, all kids are being dumped in the government school system where they're getting psychologically abused, physically abused, educationally damaged. I mean, this is happening now. And I say, put parents in charge. You'll have less of it. Will we eliminate all bad things in the world ever? No, but we'll have less of them. That's what we're trying to get done here. Yes, yeah, yeah, I totally disagree. I think you would, have, if you remove the checks on the checks and balances or the the law enforcement of of that now on bad parenting, you would have more of it. You have more bad parenting if if there was no prohibition on it or no laws against it. So here's what here's to me what causes bad parenting. Like where does bad parenting come from? Right, I'm just it, shitty people. To a certain extent, but I think a lot of it comes from people who are just not ready to be parents. And that comes from a situation yeah. Yeah. in which you have the state providing basically free being everybody's husband, essentially. Oh, I, I wanted to ask you about, I've seen your, you've got a book. Sorry to totally That's divert true. things. That's but true. This is, this is promotion for you, so you can't get too mad at me. <laughs> so you have a book, and it's called something like Pull Out Men. It's called Pull Out Colon Men So is it telling men to like pull out? Or well, what it's, you... it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's partially a play on words. Let me tell you where it came from, Matt right? I had read oh, the man. book Lean In, and I loved it. I thought it was a really good book, actually. Mm -hmm. I've recommended it to a lot of people. But I thought to myself, like, you know, it would be good if there was something like this for men. I was talking to some folks. I was like, what do you guys think if I write a book called Pull Out, like the opposite of Lean In, and make it for men, like advice for men? And people thought it was kind of funny. And I thought it was kind of funny. So I started writing, but I started writing. I was like, man, I really have a lot to say politically. Uh, personally, economically, spiritually. And so the book is about just extricating yourself from a lot of these power structures, uh, whether it's things like the welfare state, which I believe just disempowers men in its very nature because it doesn't allow men to say, no, I will not pay for that particular kid that I didn't produce anymore, uh, or more uh, personal type things like personal relationships uh, or even more mythological type things. I think a lot of men have become very disconnected from the 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 history of of just mankind in in a gendered sense of that so uh so it talks about all those those things there's obviously a very heavy anarchistic libertarian bent to it especially in the political parts well so why is the book uh, like specifically addressed to men isn't there like 420 other genders right now <laughs> there are, there are. And, other I, I picked my favorite number. And, and, and is, is that a one of the things that it actually we that I actually talked about in the book is 
while maybe I don't 100% agree that there's 420 different genders, I do believe that the idea <laughs> that there is more to being a man than having male genitals. And the idea that my genitals don't define my gender, I'm like, well, yeah, you have to do a few more things to be a man than like just you know have the right chromosomes or the right genitals. There are things that are cultural. Uh, you know, Some of the ideas of being a provider. Like watch of, football? What, or, or watching football. Uh, uh, you know, you know, I'm a man. <laughs> you know, the, the belief in, in independence, the belief in sportsmanship the the belief in not giving up just because the odds against you are greater i think those are very um, important values so so that's that's why this particular book is addressed to men you know also it's it's a thing that i've i've you know i, I can understand i've never been a woman before i wouldn't really be giving a lot of advice to women that i think would be very useful it sounds like a men going their own way kind of title that i don't know if it's intended as a to to um reference the men's rights movement but that, in, that's in kinda... some ways in some ways i mean there there is a bit of a, a MGTOW following to it i mean there is you know there's there's kind of these different parts of the men's movement it's just as diverse the libertarian movement and so you have some folks who are more i want to say nice-ish and that's usually the MGTOW type folks then you have the people who are just brutal sociopaths, a little bit more on like the red pill type direction. You know, there's a lot of different. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm oversimplifying it hugely. Is that the misogynists? I mean, because they definitely have, there's some women haters in there as well. Exactly. No, there yeah. are. And to me, I don't think that hating women is a solution to any of this. I think that reclaiming the just natural God-given power that men have, which is not a political power, but we do have economic power, which is if you make money as a man you don't have any obligation to give that to anybody. No one has the right to take that from you. In the same way that no one has the right to tell a woman that she must have sex with somebody or she must be impregnated by somebody, to me, that would be barbaric. I think it is similarly barbaric to say to men, yeah, you have to pay for all these kids you didn't produce. That, to me, is morally and ethically unconscionable. And that's you know some of the stuff that we go into in the book. Well, it gets not, kind of intense. No, it's... It's not paying. Oh, I see what you're saying. For the welfare state, you yeah, could for say paying state. for kids. But I thought you were talking about child support, which I guess technically the no. man was involved in the production of yeah. those kids. And to me, the the you know there's 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 this thing that so many men like not wanting to pay child support, all that kind of stuff. I've heard from so many women who say that you know I can't even get my ex husband to pay child support, and that to me is a symptom of really just distorting male values. The idea that a man against just genetic law against biological imperative wouldn't have the same sense that the entire animal kingdom shares, which is to support your own offspring <laughs> and not somebody mm. else's, comes from when you tell men you have to support everybody's offspring. I think that's nonsense. And being forced to, kind of, in my opinion, it, it can also create a resentment towards the child, mm -hmm. as if maybe if maybe he just made a mistake, maybe he was he's scared and doesn't want to like be a part of the family, and just made it, he makes a, a clear mistake and and just doesn't want to pay and just kind of like leaves, you know, he's maybe mentally right. If you then start bringing the state in and forcing on the pay, I mean, that can create a resentment where maybe if he could have came to this realization all along, like, hey, I should step up. I don't know. Yeah. To me, I just, when, when you force someone to do something, it creates a resentment towards it. Even if it's something good, you're kind of like, yeah, I don't like being forced to do something. Here, here's what I would predict. I predict that if you stop forcing men to pay for the kids that they didn't produce you won't be able to stop them from paying for the kids that they did produce. I think it is inherent 
in not just the human male race. I think it is inherent in the animal kingdom, probably the plant kingdom, quite a few funguses and maybe some bacteria that you provide for your own offspring. You try to give your genetic offspring an advantage. I and mean, that's just, I mean, that's genetics. I mean, that's Darwinian evolution right there. I don't there. know, Arvin. I think there's a lot of guys that they get a woman pregnant and they're like, peace, I'm out of here. But why have they become like that? <laughs> that's my point. Like, why have they become like that? You don't, you're not born that way. That is not a way that a human male is born. A man has to be yeah, there's some precedent that that gives them that that opt well, out. Like, oh shit! I would like, say there yeah. are there are certainly animals in the animal kingdom that do behave like that. But yeah, fair point. I'm fair trying point. to think of like the right phrase to say it, like strike and go or something like the hit like, hit it and quit it, it and quit it. Is that it? Thank you. Thank but you, uh, you know, Thank I, you I do think you bring up a good point because when you have systems in place, wherein I mean, the whole reason you have these families that have like nine kids that they can't take care of mm-hmm. is because they know. They know that they'll get welfare for it. They'll get yeah. that welfare check in the mail. In like fact, the state will be their husband. In There's, fact, it's even yeah. more perverse where it's economically advantageous for them to do that because otherwise, because they get they have a net gain on that. Yeah, you are incentivizing single parenthood, and um, just the catch twenty two of it is, is you go, okay, well, we're not going to have any money for that, and then they go, well, I can't afford to feed my kid, you know, and then the kid suffers, and that's where people are like, what are we supposed to do? But right. Just let the kids suffer, you know. But I think it, going even further back than that, I think there's an incentive now, or uh, like to ha- like we're teaching kids, and I'm I'm totally going to sound like conservative, whatever. Right now, <laughs> I say this, but I think we're telling kids, oh yeah, it's okay to have sex and pr- you get, get protect, you know, you'll be protected, stay on the pill. But you're when you have when you have sex, I mean that the intent of having sex is to procreate. I mean, that's, the, that's natural. St- that's, that's, I mean, one, one of the purposes. What? I mean, it is yeah. one of. That's a, I, mean, I we, think that's also, the main thing. Dolphins and humans also do it for fun. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, the reason, because we... Dude, Mike Shipley does it for fun. <laughs> but I'm Which just I'll saying, tell about it, I'm just saying, like, every time, I, I, I think we're kind of just teaching kids, we're not sh- that... Every time you have sex, you're consenting to the possibility of pregnancy because no contraceptive is 100% you know, effective. So you're saying there's always a chance you're going to have a kid or contract an STI or anything. Like, and we're not teaching kids that because everyone's like, oh, that doesn't work. Everyone just does this thing where they give up like, oh, yeah, that doesn't work. You know, oh, teach abstinence. Oh, yeah, right. Well, abstinence is the 100% way of not having a kid. Not it doesn't work. It really doesn't title work. A reference to abstinence pulling works. Out. Well, it's a, it's but a teaching it reference. Work. That's the problem. If you can convince a kid. Double entendre. What? I asked him if the book title Pull Out was about that. Was it's, about... it's, that's like a mocking reference to that. I mean, right. it's not. It's not, it's not like that's not like the subject matter of the book. Okay. Like, Holy that's what it but it's not. It's not Pull like literally the gay. book. Like you know, here, here's some. Uh, so here's one of the things that I thought was so interesting. You know, talking to different people around the country, etc., um, is that there was this sense of betrayal that a lot of men felt. Which was they, you know, were in so many seminars about 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 STIs about date rape, about all these things, which I think are good seminars to have. I'm not saying that I don't think they should be, they should be discussed. Mm. But we're often so shocked about things like, for example, in many states, if you haven't gotten a paternity test by the time the kid is two or three or 18 months, depending, it varies from state to state, then you have to pay child support for that kid until he's 18. And that is a kid that you have no biological reason. That is like a violation of genetic law and sense and the fact that the 
the establishment didn't bother to teach them that they, they often feel betrayed what i thought was even more interesting was that there was research that many people are questioning this is research by the way genetic research that would save lives in the th thousands genetic research that would save lives in human genome mapping and one of the people a lot of the people were afraid that the result would be that people that women would be caught having you know had somebody else's kid and that would backfire so that was seen as a negative and it got even worse when i started to re when i learned that in france they have banned at will paternity testing because they think it's going to cause social disruption if men start finding out that they're raising somebody else's kid and be like yeah i'm out of here and wow, Germany crazy. I didn't know that. is considering similar laws. At this point, they might have. At the time that I was writing, they were considering the laws. France had already passed it. And the only way to get a paternity test was to have like a court order for one. And they issued something like 1,500 total out of, you know, millions. Hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it's gotten to the point where it's no longer just here's something that you forgot to do. It's more like, here's something we don't want you to do. We want you paying for somebody else's kid. Yeah. To me, that is an abandonment of just basic male principles, human principles, genetic law. Pick, take your pick. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and, and going back to what you said, Kyle, it's not necessarily that nobody should step in to help children that are in need. It's just that nobody should, should be forced to pay for a service that supposedly provides us, but clearly provides it at a less than adequate level. Yeah, I mean, you're saying, I guess, I think you're saying voluntary charity should replace the welfare state. Sure. Um, I mean, I'm not necessarily opposed to welfare yeah, in mean, the sense of, like, helping out other people that aren't your family. It's just the way it's funded. But I just, I don't like the state-run welfare exactly. where it's... Yeah, it's compulsory. It's compulsory, and it's just massively um, ineffective. Bad. Well, and it, bad. It, it does pervert the incentives, I mean, yeah. you know, because you are essentially rewarding or paying people to have more kids. Um, and they have no incentive to, like, tweet. They have no incentive to modify it to, to not yeah, do that. And, like, just, also... They, they just have an infinite amount of money, essentially, to, to throw. And there's a person I work people. with that, from what I was told, they don't work a certain amount of hours because it would affect their welfare. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm class. So, hey, let's just throw him out there on the podcast. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just joking. So, uh, no, Arvin, uh, back to you. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, in 2020, um, who? Uh, so we've got uh, you. We've got Adam Kokesh. Who else is running? Who's your competition? Uh, Probably Bearman, Bill Weld. Kim Ruff. Uh, Bill Weld. Uh, that. Uh, let, let, let me think. Oh, uh, Ben Letter. John McAfee. Yeah, he I, said he it, wanted the run. It, it's. Hard. I'm not sure where he stands on it right now, but but possibly John McAfee. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Oh, uh, Patrick Byrne might be running. Yeah. That okay, was, so, I was, that's uh, what I was... Okay, yeah. so um, I'm going to ask you a question. I don't know if you're comfortable answering it. I imagine you would be. Probably. So if you weren't running, who would you pick out of the people that you've heard are going to run? Kokesh. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to, to me, I mean, he's proven time and time again that he's willing to be bold and say things as they are. Um, I've seen a couple of his. Doesn't his he also jack off in parking lots? I don't know about. I don't know about his personal. I've heard, I've heard that rumor. I, I, I haven't. I don't know about his personal life. I'm just saying. Like, I mean, who hasn't from, jerked off in one parking lot? From the from one, the speeches of his that I've seen, and and he's he's, I've, he's I mean he's a great public speaker. He's charismatic, um, and he's and he's boldly and openly talked about dismantling massive parts of the state. Uh, I, I, you know, I've seen him to, in front in libertarian groups, but also in, in non-libertarian groups. To me, it's not just enough to like have certain beliefs. 
you know, you mentioned that that Gary Johnson had certain beliefs about you know pulling out of Syria. You also have to be willing to do it, no matter what. And I don't. I mean, maybe Gary Johnson, would, if he'd been the president, would have been like, "Yeah, bring him home right now." I don't care what the he would have been like. Are. Bring him home from Aleppo, right? He <laughs> might. We need to pull out of Aleppo. I think the reason that so many ANCAPs ended up voting for Trump is they saw that he didn't give a fuck. Would do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like but he didn't though. <laughs> well, no, he didn't. I'm not saying that I like I did, right, right? right? I mean, I I had that option as an right. cap to vote for Trump and I was like, "No, he's clearly lying. Why would I do that?" Yeah. Right. But uh, <laughs> well, a lot of libertarians thought were hopeful that he wasn't lying, that he actually would be a Yeah, a, it was kind of like wishful thinking. It, like yeah, they uh, knew. I think I don't think any of them were really like, "Oh, he's definitely going to do this." Yeah, but yeah. I mean, you knew they, what Hillary, Hillary was definitely going to do, so it's like Right. You're yeah. going to roll the dice. Yeah, yeah. Trump, yeah. In, yeah, how some it be his, any worse? in some of his quieter, calmer interviews, Trump took very non-interventionist positions. He's like, what are we doing over there? You know, like, this is not an American interest. We shouldn't be occupying these countries. And I heard some of that, and I was like, man, you know, I, I, hope, he, I hope he sticks to this. Yeah. It is interesting to see the backlash against, like, he's, you know, been talking about not something I would, like, to me, a withdrawal from Syria means this. You bring all the troops home from Syria. That's it. Mm -hmm. And... Even whatever light version he's talking about, look at the blowback he's been getting. Oh, it's ridiculous. From his own people, from the media, you know, from, you know, Democrats, Republicans, I mean, the, the Senate, Congress. I mean, that to from, me shows from, uh, how... Uh, Noam Chomsky? Yeah, Noam Chomsky <laughs> was even thinking... Uh, he was I mean, like, sure. we can't leave Syria, the Kurds. Yeah, yeah. and, it's, and, like, and it's, not that, it's not to say that I'm not, like, you know, sympathetic. I mean, the Kurds are in a difficult position. No, I mean, I'm, yeah, but, but still. But no one, none of these people can even point out to where the Kurds are on a map. They well, I think Noam Chomsky knows where they are, but I just it's yeah, very saying, surprising. Like, like a lot of people at like MSNBC and like Rachel Maddow, like she even had a didn't she have a book about like the absurd like wars like interventions yeah. in like 2012, <laughs> and then she came out saying that this was this was wrong to leave Syria. And, and see, so this is like a, a key hysteria. Thing. I mean, this, this What's might... the anti-Russia hysteria? Yeah, there, there's a little, so, so here's here's the thing. I mean, this this is you know it's a thing that people don't usually talk about on on podcasts, but if you don't mind, I'm going to. I'm just going to. If you do mind, let's go. Cool. So, Dude, say it, man. So. It is a common, in my opinion, misconception that basically, like, the Jews and APAC keep us in foreign wars. I don't think that's true. And here's why I further don't think it's true now, because now they're going on about the Kurds. The simple fact is this. The people that benefit from war are military defense contractors. <coughs> they yep. make a lot of money from yep. it. They'll use any person, they'll use any group, sometimes they'll say the Jews, sometimes they'll say the Kurds, and if it's not them, they'll pick somebody else. They'll pick some person, some poor defenseless group that we absolutely need to help yeah. so that we can keep buying from them. The enemy here is military defense contractors. Raytheon, Northrop Grumman, uh, Lockheed Martin, those are the people that are keeping us in war because those are the people that benefit from endless war. Because to do endless war, you have to keep buying stuff from them. Dude, but I just read an article on MSNBC saying that we should like the deep state now because it's run by women. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's an article that came out and said, yeah, the, the, it says who runs the world. And it showed a picture of all the women CEOs of Northrop Grumman and all these just people in the political power. Oh, no. And it said, it said, uh, and, it said and they say the deep state on it. So we it should all deep state? Yeah, it said the deep state. Wow. I, I, there's a, a, you just look it up, man. It's hilarious. So I, we all shouldn't worry. Nothing to worry about. The, keep the wars going. The problem with that is you're you're letting basically the people, the voters, and the politicians off the hook. You're saying, oh, we go to war because uh, the defense contractors, the weapons manufacturers, they want us at war. And meanwhile, I talk to people, and they're pro-war. 
And I'm like, you're actually, they're voting pro-war. They keep voting in these congressmen who are pro-war, like um, Dutch Ruppersberger in, uh, mm-hmm. in District 2 in Maryland. I mean, there's a ton of guys like him. And, and, just, and as a culture, you talked about the military worship and the worship not just of the military, but of militarism, of aggression, foreign aggression. I mean, um, I think and, Armin's and, right, dude. If you follow the money trail, it's going to go back to those defense contractors. Yeah, but it's, it's a cultural problem. Didn't you ever watch, problem. like, Scooby-Doo? It's a, know? Wait, but, but um, Kyle, are you, are you saying that, that individual people are sort of out of indifference voting for congressmen who happen to be pro-war? Or are you saying that individual people are pro-war and voting for congressmen that share those views? I think they are pro-war. I think that I, I think we have a cultural problem, and I, I don't think it's as easy as just blaming it on uh, Raytheon and, and other defense well, contractors. Let me ask you it's, this. it's a problem with our culture where America as a whole is pretty pro-war, especially the Republican Party. I can remember them going nuts for candidates like Rick Santorum and Newt but Gingrich, who would they would, you know, kind of... Isn't it kind of a... a ch- I guess it's kind of a chicken or the egg thing here, but why are people pro-war? Is is part of that because of the propagandization that's a lo- that that comes that become that is enabled by um, just the mass amount of money that is in war? So you know you can fly jets over the fucking stadium. You can I don't know you know man. run commercial run ads yeah. all the time. You can fly flags everywhere. You can I don't know have I, all I these. I find myself agreeing with Kyle a little bit. Yeah, you know. Interesting, like right before the show, I was just scrolling through through the Facebook feed, and I saw that somebody who a couple of years had been really critical of my of my position about on military warship. I mean, he'd really been pretty pretty intense about it. Um, he himself was posting a, an image of it's just a uh, uh, he himself was posting an image like a cartoon of a soldier who's you know holding up this kid and he's like sorry kid i'm just following orders i just wanted money to go to college and the kid's like you know crying because his parents just been killed that that cultural change i think is necessary i think kyle is right in a lot of ways that is an individual cultural change that we need to not be afraid to do like we have to go after military warship we have to go after it at the personal and cultural level if we want to change the policy because i'll tell you this policy follows culture culture doesn't follow policy but going back to politicians getting elected, I mean, mm-hmm. clearly there's incentive. Clearly, there's there's some reason why these large companies, whether it be the military industrial complex or just financial institutions, pump all this money into elections, right? I mean, there's clearly, clearly that affects something. Yeah, right? I mean, like I was at the fucking uh, movie theater one time, which you know I, I don't go there that often. But uh, and I saw some band. It was like it wasn't Nickelback, but it might as well been. And they were they were doing some song. <laughs> yeah, uh, I they saw were doing that. some song where like you know little boys are joining the Marines and, and how cool it is, you know. Wow. And then you know so th- these people are, are getting paid by somebody. And, and my guess is it's the and it's uh, inevitably it's going to lead back to the defense contractors, you know. Yeah, here's here's an interesting thing actually recently. So so you know I run an education business, work with a lot of kids in like you know math and reading all that kind of stuff. There's a popular program out there. It's called Math Counts. It's a well-designed program. Um, but what's interesting is if you look at the sponsors of it, it's like Raytheon, Department of Defense, uh, you know, all these different defense contractors and the Department of Defense itself, because they're trying to brainwash into, into and like smart people to believing one thing, which is that 
you don't bear responsibility for what happens with the research that you do. That mindset, I think, is one of the most dangerous and toxic mindsets we have in America. I think we need to say this. You should work for an organization that you can morally support the results of whatever's happening with your research. And to me, this way of teaching that kind of – and I'm the, I'll, and listen, I teach math all day long, so I'm not saying I'm opposed to math. But the idea of teaching <laughs> math but trying to like separate it from morality and moral questioning – and I'm not saying we need to brainwash people, but that people should be thinking about moral questions. They should arrive at the decision like is it right or is it wrong to work for a company like Raytheon making weapons instead of just being like, yeah, I guess it's okay because math is cool. Yeah. Well, I think it's also just the crazy amount of money they can make working for Raytheon. That's definitely part of it. But they can, yeah, they can uh, compartmentalize and say, like, oh, I'm just, like, solving equations and doing physics. Like, I'm not actually dropping the bombs. The, the demand is driving the supply, right? So the, right. the political class has demand for these weapons and for weapons of war. And so they're throwing money at it. And then the company has money to throw at employees. And so you get a system of people right. working to that end because of the political will behind it. I look right. at the political will behind it, not the uh, manufacturer's will. Although certainly they do have an incentive to keep the keep political the bucks coming going. in. Well, yeah. that's the thing. Yeah. It's like, where so, where do you... Where do you interrupt the cycle? Because it's kind of cyclical, right? Everywhere. Right. But, but then <laughs> yeah. where I go, look at the political system, where the, which is the source of the money, and I say, where is their power coming from? It's coming from the people. It's coming from the culture that is supportive of these kind of this kind of rhetoric, these kind of candidates, these aggressive candidates. But the and, question, uh, well, but then you go back, you go back. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a yeah. yin yang thing. It's yeah. like one of those things. Like they're self-promoting. I, I mean, just well, you hear these stupid things that people say about war. Oh, you, oh, you know, support the troops, support troops. What, what does that even mean? Who fight them there that so shit? we don't have to fight them here? Exactly. I think the, uh, so the, I also, the troops I, is a Karl Rove. Uh, he like really pushed that slogan hard. Support the troops. Yeah, I, so, he, he didn't invent the slogan, I don't think, but he like really pushed it hard during yeah. during bushes. He, I mean, did he come up with them yellow? Uh, I think them, he might them yellow ribbons. Oh, he might Probably. Have I, and there's also what the um, the Reeves uh, at the Arlington Cemetery. People go down there and just put little Reeves on gravestones. It's like they're worshiping soldiers and like the dead soldiers. Like that's their idol. Like they put little Reeves on every single tombstone. And people go down and it's like, shouldn't that money that you donate to that charity, shouldn't that be put into like the, v like getting these soldiers help or, you or know, living, come back living here vets, or, know, or promoting I mean, them, like not going at all. Yeah. And so also I want to say, I misspoke earlier when I said the article from MSNBC where they talk about how women now, it's who runs the world and women, whatever in the power, it, it's, it didn't say deep state, it said military industrial complex. Which is um, the same thing, but okay, okay, it's just a right. more PC term for it. And they were saying it like it was a good thing? Yes. Uh, and there's a little 30-second uh, video MSNBC put out showing you who was with what and running what company and stuff. That's insane. Yeah, I can show it to you guys afterwards. But yeah, so it's crazy. So, But I, I also know there's some, like, there's propaganda, and it starts with public schooling. It starts down... I mean, you're young. Uh, like we talk, well, I said it last week. Like, it, people just... They they get you so early with this shit, and it's it's so hard to fight it. And they have military and go, recruiters coming into public schools yes. as young as fourteen. And, and but they have police officers in schools now reading stories to children. Like that's yeah. that's also in a way, shape, or form. It's it's, it's the same. I mean, it's it's not as, it's not as overt, but it's it's, it's a, there. It's the same thing. It's, right? it's visible to me, and, it, and it's kind of disturbing. And we talked about it. Uh, what I said last week, I forget who said this quote, but. It's like if we sent made kids go to school at the age of like one or two, they would grow up thinking that they would never have learned to walk 
if they didn't go to school, public school. Mm-hmm. And it's that type of logic. So then, therefore, it's it's easier to get them to say, oh, defend the state and go off to fight in war. Um, have you guys ever have you guys seen the movie um, uh, Star, uh, Storm, uh, Starship Troopers? Um, yeah. yeah. So, like, you know, like, there's so much propaganda in that. And they're like, it's a service guarantee citizenship. And that's like their 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 slogan that they go through the whole entire movies is service guarantees citizenship. I remember that. Yeah. And it's like that's the type of shit that I see in, in like kind of society today. It's like serve your country, die for your country. That was a weird movie because it, it was, was anti war, but also kind of like rah rah go troops. I just it, saw it, it the other night again for the first time in a while. It, am I am I wrong? <laughs> Didn't it have both messages? It was no, like I don't I don't remember seeing any anti war message in that at all. Well, it was. I took it a little bit as you know, these are they're just kind of going to slaughter, and I don't know. No, no. So, I mean, for me, it was it was like we just, had, just pro the, like the human race superiority over bugs and kill them all, and all right. we need to nuke them all, and and it was it was very they glorified the propaganda, and I I don't think they were trying to send that message. It was just mostly like kind of reflecting on. World War Two, World War One type propaganda, kind of reflecting it to some type of sci-fi, you know, intergalactic war with bugs. You know? I just thought I got mixed messages out of it. That's all. <laughs> to me, I didn't get that at all. I literally just saw it the and other I'm night. Like, and I'm like, already getting that, and that, and that's what we're getting right now, right? I mean, that's what we're seeing. We're seeing people being constantly told they they know they can't send the pure pure war message at us because people are like, yeah, no one's that stupid. So they do all these <laughs> right. indirect things, right? Things that seem harmless. Where it's so much easier for it to just be like, yeah, I'll fine, go along with it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, please like, you know, stand to show respect for the troops at this football game. Please do like this minor thing. Hey, troops get on like the plane five seconds before everybody else. Those yep. little things, it's easier to just be like, yeah, fine, do it. It's really hard socially to be like, I absolutely will not do that. And I think that takes a lot of practice. I think all of us need to be practicing doing Doing things like that on a daily basis, refusing to stand to me, refusing to stand for the Pledge of Allegiance is an important thing because I will not pledge allegiance to a symbol that I don't know what it means that particular second. Especially when we have symbols that I do know what they mean. I'll pledge allegiance to the Bill of Rights all day long. What about the anthem? Do you uh, stand for the anthem? I like the message of the anthem better because I do believe that it is good to overthrow tyranny. And that's yeah. kind of like what that song is about. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's ironic or funny that our national anthem is uh, celebrating overthrowing a government, you know. Uh, well, I it mean, was a revolution, right? Yeah. It was a violent revolution. I encountered that at, at football. Like, one time I went to a preseason game with the Ravens versus the Redskins, and I was just sitting there, and they were like, take your hat off to sit, you know, and show the pledge, you know, for the national anthem. And I was, I, I was like, no, I'm not. I, I didn't say anything. I just didn't take it off. And, like, my brother jokingly just, like, he, like, slapped me. He was like, hey, take off your hat. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like, which caused people around me to kind of look at me, and they were like, up here, we take off our hat for the national anthem. I'm like... No, like, I'm not doing it. It's I, stupid. It makes no sense. I think yeah. about how many people saw you do that, and there's going to be some kids in there that when they start to think about that and say, well, what would happen if I didn't take off my hat, they saw that nothing happened to you. That's the thing about these social rules. You know what happens when you just, like, get everybody riled up and pissed off the way I routinely do? Nothing. Literally no consequences. And that, to me is a mindset we need to realize we don't live in a tribal society where the approval of the tribe is necessary for us to survive we live in modern capitalism where as long as you have a good or service that is useful to at least one person your survival is never going to be threatened it kind of depends on how far you take it i mean i remember a video of some uh, libertarians going into a police station with um, automatic weapons you know and they got arrested 
That's so. kind of like throwing. It, 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 it wasn't automatic. I thought it was like semi-automatic. Okay, sorry, semi-automatic. Yeah. But that's like yeah. throwing rocks at a hornet's nest. They probably were. Yeah, it's that's definitely like kicking the hor- hornet's nest. But I don't think that's much as them as much as I'm comparing the police to a bunch of hornets. Right. I'm saying like, like you can go over a line and actually have somebody uh, try to actually arrest you. So it's possible if you go that far. But, but there's no law that says you have to like be supportive of the troops. There's no law that says you have to stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. That's true. If that, they ever make that law, I'm going to break it on purpose. You know, there's a yeah. social pressure there, but not legal pressure. Mm-hmm. And that social pressure, right now, think about how much we could accomplish with just social pressure. But that's what pisses me off, Social man. pressure is, in a way, in many cases, more powerful, right? Yeah. Because, I mean, you can break laws all the time and we break laws all the time right yeah i'm not going to say specifically what on the on the air <laughs> jared don't tell us about your sodomy <laughs> but uh you know but the thing is you you're you come in less contact with police than you do with other people right social pressure right so those people can exert that social pressure more way more effectively than you know police now there is like the threat you know in the back of your mind of like well if I, you know, rob this liquor store, like, the police are going to come get me. Like, obviously that yeah. exists, but in your everyday life, you're more shaped by the social pressures. So our, you know, the problem is, you know, the social pressures when it comes to foreign uh, intervention and that's what drives is me crazy. On the, is, on the, is on the wrong it's, side it's of It's hard right? for the minority to apply social pressure. I mean, when yeah, you're the yeah. one guy... That's like we well, yeah. Social pressure this. implies like more than one person. <laughs> yeah, it implies you have the support. See, that's where, and that's where I have to disagree with you guys. Yeah. I don't think social pressure <laughs> requires that anybody's on your side. I think you have plenty of social pressure all by yeah, yourself. Yeah, but it, it's certainly more effective. I mean, and what, I'm not saying that I'm not saying that it's a waste of time or that you like should do pressure. it. But I'm saying, right? Like peer pressure <laughs> involves like multiple peers, not just like one person. You, peer pressure yeah. routinely happens with one person. So I mean, here, here's here's some examples from some my own recent experiences, right? Uh, so from some my own recent experiences, I had people who co- like pro- uh, there's there's a lot of different ones, but the one to me that was like the most moving, uh, a mom contacted me on Facebook and she'd been talking. She talked about how she had wanted her daughter to join the Air Force because she wanted her daughter to have the stable job. The daughter didn't want to join the Air Force, mm. but her mom was pressuring her, and she'd like you know read you know because of all the hoopla, she'd heard about this stuff happening. Right. And because of that, it's not that I put social pressure on her. I just like what I'd said had reminded her of her own beliefs. She was an anti-war libertarian. And because of that, now, is it, is it, did I stop a million people from joining the Air Force? I doubt it, but maybe at least one. Right. Well, I think there's a distinction that needs to be made between social pressure and just like convincing somebody. (laughs) when When I say social pressure, I mean like when you're at a stadium full of people and like, like I stand for the anthem because I just don't want to deal with like all these people around me like looking at me and like s- mm-hmm. someone maybe saying shit to me and then like now I don't get to watch a Ravens game because this dude wants to fight me like you know think think of this right I mean how much like social pressure all by himself did Kaepernick do just like that's one guy just refusing to stand not shouting he had a lot of support though i mean if he had just done that himself and everyone was like fuck you kaepernick that's pretty much what happened not really though but there was it was a split there was a split there i mean was, there, there was, was plenty split. of people who supported him and you know all the leftists supported him yeah a lot of the sports you know, writers and nike, the media you know, around yeah him. like espn supported like all these people supported him nike so, gave him an ad deal like yeah and, nike but the, supported here's him. the thing he dealt with real repercussions sure right? Like, like, not just pretend social ones that we're afraid of. Think about this. Like, so what could we do right now with just social pressure? Get people to homeschool. 
Get people to not join the military. Get people to use jury nullification. There is nothing stopping us. I mean, jury nullification has such a tradition in America. That is how we got freedom of the press in America is jury nullification. Mm-hmm. You know, using things like Bitcoin. I mean, we could, there's so much we can do without changing one law mm. that could reshape the face of this country. Sure. There's aren't a Agorism. lot of libertarians. That's kind of the problem. You know, a lot I mean, of status. It, it is really, you know, you say we like. There's a lot of us, but there are not many. Just need to be one guy on a jury. That's dude, one Ar- Arvin, I feel like you're. That's true. I feel like you're like a motivational speaker, dude. <laughs> I appreciate that. You really yeah, come man. off like that. It's really cool, man. It's really I cool. That. So I, I got to say, like, out of everybody that's running, it's like definitely out of these people right now. I mean, you still got my vote. Awesome. That's yeah, good. I mean, well, you'd have to write. Up I don't know, dude. I think Elizabeth we, Ward has my vote. We <laughs> lost our ballot access in Maryland, so you'd have to vote. You'd have to write um, them in. I I think they'll they'll probably regain it before the election. I I would guess. We'll find a way. Yeah. To what's get your it take back. on that, man? Mm-hmm. Like, are, like, because I, I know you got more votes than Sean Quinn did. <laughs> so and, and 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 it's not because I did anything different. It's because we were in different situations. Sean Quinn was in a tight race. I was in a not tight race. I would have if if you know there was an independent candidate who put like several million dollars into his campaign, if he hadn't run, I probably would have gotten more votes. If there'd been a Green Party candidate, I probably would have gotten less votes. I mean, it's we have not we haven't gotten to the level politically where we need to be. We haven't been getting the blowback, the chaos, like the fighting. We need to have both as much positive and negative attention as Trump, as Hillary, as uh, as Ocasio, as as uh, as Elizabeth Warren, any of those folks that get both. Of, that's what politics looks like. Mm-hmm. Right now, we're still in the basically being ignored phase. <laughs> I mean, that's the phase we are in right now. I, I, I do think that if I'm the nominee... That's going to change real quick. We're not <laughs> yeah. going to be ignored oh, yeah. if I'm the nominee. Right. That's for sure. Yeah, It just, might make it hard for you guys to just go around being libertarians, but you won't be ignored anymore. <laughs> nah, dude, yeah. I, I think no. it'll rock, man. Yeah. I, like, I, I sincerely hope that you are the nominee. No, I appreciate that. As long as you come back awesome. on the podcast, man. You know he's back on, podcast, back on the podcast, dude. <laughs> you can't get too big for your britches over there, man. Dude, but like the stigma against you is just uh, awful. Dude, dude, no, we, we should get you to promise right now, dude. If you're president, would you come back on the podcast? Yes, <laughs> yes. dude, that would be so badass. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Unless it takes oh, you away gee. from slashing the state, you have secret and, service yeah. all over. Your no, no, house. I, can, dude, I can, I can, dude, I can, I can pardon people from my phone. Don't worry about exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> like if Arvin has the secret service, it's cool, bro. It's cool, Kyle. Kyle, you, you, wouldn't Kyle come, be, you wouldn't come to that, Kyle? Kyle be jizzing his pants. Um, <laughs> I, no, I don't know. <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait, what? You don't what? like Secret Service now? Okay, okay. So, um, yeah, so Arvin Vora 2020, you heard it here first. Or actually, you probably heard it before, but we're, we're going to say it again. And then uh, let, let's go into some topics. Okay, so, Phil. <laughs> Um, with 10 minutes left. What's up with, yeah, what's up with this? Yeah, we're getting to like our, our first topic. So, um, okay, actually, first, I want to tell everybody we have a Patreon now. So if you want to help keep the lights on here in Anarchy Basement, you can contribute a minimum of $1 per month, and you will gain access to our After Hours podcast, which usually goes up Sunday night around 11 p.m. Eastern Time. It's pretty dope. And uh, you can gain access to that on our Patreon for just helping us out with a minimum of $1 per month. And if $1. you donate enough, man, you could come on the podcast and take my chair. Yeah. you. Yeah. Well, Wait, are we auctioning off your, your chair? Seat? 
Dude, it can, we it should can do hold, that. It can hold a lot, so don't worry. <laughs> no, we should au- we should we should auction off one of Phil's broken chairs. <laughs> hey, man. Actually, actually, they're already at the dump. So oh, yeah, I know. I just that. looked around. I was like, wait, yeah. where are they? Yeah. Okay, so okay, so first topic. Okay, so we got uh, so Louis C.K. He's into some he's in some trouble this week, right? Yeah. Um, it came out early last week. He uh, apparently last weekend did a just a surprise set in New York. Um, we all know that he's been kind of ostracized because he jerked off in a, in front of a bunch of girls consensually. And so he's been in the doghouse ever since, even though he's a, you know, he was a Hillary supporter. He, everyone turned his back on him. You know, he was a part of the Me Too movement. And, uh, so he did a, another surprise set and it triggered everybody because in a lot of stuff, he just went out and started saying, making jokes about, trans people and the one of the worst thing that you see that posted he i wish i could do it justice but he pretty much said he's like why should i have to listen to these kids that he got you know um what was the high school that got shot up park parkland parkland yeah he's like why should i have to listen to you? like who are you like I, I shouldn't have to listen to you you're in front of congress you're like 16 he's like i shouldn't have to listen to you like who are you he's like you didn't even get shot he's like you just pushed a bunch of fat kids in the way <laughs> And oh so, yeah, and it was. I, I mean, I died. Keep laughing. in mind, this is during like a stand-up routine. Yeah, and it was. And that, someone leaked this. And somebody filmed this routine and yeah. leaked it out to the internet. And so it wasn't even. And so it wasn't even a perfected set. But dude, he was crushing it. And this, and the there's a like a few minute thing I heard. Yeah. I think there's a longer, like the whole like hour long thing he did. Yeah. But um, it was so funny, and <laughs> and I, I mean, I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was terrible but it was hilarious and well yeah i mean the funniest stuff is this stuff that but you're his, not supposed to say right and his, to, he, his humor's always been that way like if you go back years like he has that whole bit about like about the the, the word fag where well i'm not going to say the bit but anyways he's always been pushing the envelope but the left loved him up until he got caught up in the me too movement Right, they they didn't attack him for this. No, no, he's had the exemption. I mean, he, yeah, and that's the thing that kind of drives me crazy because Reason put out an article about it. I thought it was pretty good. They were like, and like the headline itself was was killer. He said like his, you know, Louis C.K.'s comedy didn't change. You did, mm. and that's kind of exactly. where we're at in this country, where like we were talking about before about the social pressures to not say certain things or do certain things, and he got caught up in this movement. For no reason. I mean, he asked consent with all the girls he jerked off in front of. It's weird. It's creepy. But he got their consent before yeah, he did. I mean, you could certainly was, argue there was like kind a, of an abuse of power right. there because you know he's like a powerful person in the industry, but, and but these are like no name comedians. But he could they could have just walked out and said, "Oh yeah, I'm not into that," and walked out. Yeah, could everyone? <laughs> but look, there's definitely it's definitely fucked up, and there's definitely there like is you a said part- an abuse of power. Was it illegal? I mean, I but that's say a harsh it. statement. To say abuse of power. Yeah, I there don't was agree no with abuse that. Abuse of power. He didn't have any power. I mean, being a celebrity does not mean you have power over somebody. Well, you ha- he has power to get them gigs, essentially. But apparently, he so, did it in front of like, Sarah so Silverman. So he's not allowed to solicit anybody for sex. Like he's not allowed to ask for sex. Arvin, I'm I'm dying to hear what you think. The uh, <laughs> I mean, to me, here's what an abuse of power is. It's when so it wasn't you, an abuse of power then. To me, I'll, I'll describe what an abuse uh, of power. Okay, was all right. Yeah. Abuse Sorry. of power. Is when you say to somebody, I get that this is not your kid. You still have to pay for it. If you don't, we're going to lock you in a rape cage or shoot you. So that's an abuse of power. Arvin doesn't want to talk about Lucy K. No, so I mean, so, okay. I mean so, okay, on the spectrum of abuses of power, yes. I mean, this is not as much as like the president, you know, launching uh, an undeclared war. But yeah, so but that doesn't the, make it. I, I mean, look, I, I'm not like diehard on this, but. 
you know, there is something a degree of fucked up when it's like a an up and coming comedian. You're like an established, well comedian, you know, well established comedian. You have all sorts of connections. You can provide a certain thing. No, I mean, now, I don't know. I think a person with integrity, mm-hmm. you know, it, you know, and I guess I'm I'm victim blaming now, but like this person with integrity would be like, no, I don't want to do it this way. I'm walking out. You know, go jerk off on but someone else. Did he, is this a situation where he's saying, like, if you let me jerk off in front of you, then I'm going to get you a gig? No, no. Because there was no stipulations. It was a simple, like, hey, man, I just got to get off jerking off. Can I jerk off in front of I you? Mean, and, who, I mean, like, who? I mean, comedians are going to interact with other comedians. Yeah. If they're going to be at, like, you know, trying to hook up with somebody, there's a good chance. Of, I mean, well, like, it's different than trying to hook like, up. Like, <laughs> like doctors hook yeah. up with doctors. You know what I mean? Right. It, it, and a lot of times it's like one of the doctors happens to be older than the other doctor i mean that that's just common stuff i mean that's just who you interact with to suggest that anytime you solicit sex is abuse of power i disagree with i do think there's a lot of abuse of power that happens in the world of sex i wouldn't say that all yeah but But i think one of the girls he did in front of i could be wrong but was sarah sarah silverman and she's at the time, wait, was, wait. it's just on his level. He jacked oh. off in front of Sarah. Uh, I, I, I could be wrong, but I I, that's what I heard. That. I did not I hear that. They were friends. I know they were friends, and then he, she has come to his defense, but I don't know that they had a relationship like that. Either way, I, I think a lot... Hell, he might have, and she just didn't say anything. There, there I'm just saying, be. you're an up-and-coming comic, and there's somebody that's well-established, and you're, you're like... I mean, uh, 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 being a comedian is not the same as being a doctor. Like, if, you, if you're a doctor... I mean, you could be a doctor anywhere, right? You just get, you go through medical school, you get your, I'm not saying it's easy, but like once you get through medical school, you're in, but like you're a comedian, like you've got to get, there's a lot of luck involved. There's a lot of like networking. There's a lot of like, I think that's overstated. I mean, if you're a good comedian, I've seen comedians that like knock the house down at just like kind of amateur nights and a little bit later, they're, you know, pretty big. Sure. But but there's a lot of them that do that and then don't go anywhere. Like there's a lot of luck involved. That's not because because they said good unsuccessful comedians. Even if he said, uh, you know, what do this with me and then I will get you a gig. If he made a straight up proposition. Yeah. Is that, no one's accusing that is at that all. Illegal? No one accusing that. I don't think it's illegal. No, I'm so not saying anything's illegal. I'm not saying. I mean, that's look, I'm not as prostitution. I mean, there's, there's, I, and and look, I'm not saying any of this should be illegal. Like, yeah. don't get me, don't mistake me at all. Like, I'm just saying, is it fucked up a little bit? Sure. Okay, that's so all, I'm saying. all right, so I, it, this wasn't on the board, but it, it's something I I wanted to hit on. So uh, you know, we're in the midst of this government shutdown right now. What day are we in? Isn't it like fourteen or something or sixteen? Or so I mean, we've been in a, a government shutdown for a minute here. Now, what I'm hearing now is that uh, apparently you're not going to see any uh, tax returns if you you know send your shit in. Oh, no refunds. Yeah, yeah, yeah no yeah, refunds. Like, no refunds. But at the same time, there'll be no audits. So, you know, right? That, that's what I, that's what I'm hearing. Well, the money's already uh, gone yeah. for most of us. So yeah. It's- because it comes out of your paycheck. So, I mean, what do you think? Like right now, do you think libertarians should be cheering on this government shutdown? Or I mean, yes. <laughs> I think because the thing is, as things go forward, as things go forward, mm-hmm. as more and more people who traded like an actual like you know life of pursuing what would make them reasonable have chosen to become bureaucrats and said no 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 one's happy with that decision nobody wants to be a bureaucrat both my parents are bureaucrats and then they stopped being bureaucrats at some point and were happier for it and yeah they had to be nudged they had to be furloughed a few times like things had to happen for them to realize like this thing that i hate isn't even giving me security now the, the, but in the way that the government shutdown actually costs us more than if the, the government yeah it does right 
So, uh, I mean, should we still keep cheering it on? Yes, because it's going to bankrupt the government. I mean, what do you, do you still think we should cheer it on, even though it's costing us more? There's changes that are happening. So, for example, after some number of days, I don't think we're there yet, people are going to stop getting their welfare checks. To me, hell, I'll pay extra to have people not get their welfare checks. That, to me, is, a, is, a, is an excellent step in the right direction. I think we need to end the welfare state at every possible level. The only thing to me that could make this like significantly better is if we could somehow throw in a teacher's union strike at the same time so people could really <laughs> see how much we don't need government. But oh, I, well, I what about the parks that are overgrowing with grass, dude? What about that nonsense? I don't know. <laughs> well, that's why that's why I think it's pretty awesome that uh, Jess Mears. Uh, I think she might have orchestrated it. Uh, t uh, an event that happened today. They went down to the National Mall and because there's been these articles come out saying because of Donald Trump shutdown, the trash cans are overflowing and garbage is everywhere at the National Mall and and also and parks across the United States. And which is instead of saying, oh, maybe the asshole people that were there that just litter, you know, they're blaming on Donald Trump and the shutdown. And so she, I, I think it was her. She, she might have, uh, someone else might have done it, but I know she was the main person who was posting about it, and she posted in the Punk Rock Libertarians group about it as well, saying that they were going to go down today, get a whole bunch of libertarians, and they were going to go and clean up and empty out trash bags and, or I'm sorry, empty out trash cans. And she has like a whole videos of it, and there's tons of picture. They got about like 50 people to come down from the nice. libertarians and Libertarian Party. To come down and just clean up, you know, and just, of course, it's not covered by the, the national, uh, no, I haven't seen any uh, mainstream media cover it yet, but <laughs> they, they cleared out a bunch and they posted a picture of all the bags that they had cleaned up and there was like cups of urine that, that she was just Ew. like picking up and throwing away just that we're in the park and there's like, uh, like alternate media that covered it and I was like, there's like a video, there's like an eight minute video of this them cleaning up essentially and it's pretty cool. It's probably so, going to be a mess that was again awesome. in a couple of months, but it's a nice gesture but, uh, you know, it's public property, and the maintenance of public property is going to suffer while the government is shut yeah, down. Right. They're not taking care of the national parks. They're not, you know. But that's the other good thing about this is think about, you know, if let's say that people can't get into, like, the National Gallery of Art or something like that. Think about how good that is for, for private sector art galleries. And here's the thing that a lot of people don't know who live in this area. When you go to someplace like the National Gallery of Art, it's going to be more sort of family-friendly whitewashed. You go to private galleries in New York, the art is more interesting. It's edgier. It's, it's more eye-opening. Right. And I would love to see, just like I think that we need to get government out of education, I would love to see getting the government out of art. Because I don't think that everything needs to be family-friendly, and I certainly don't think that art needs to be family friendly it's one of the reasons that i've talked about abolishing the fec the fcc and the fec but at the fcc <laughs> because to me when you gut art whether it's you know music whether it's you know visual art you're doing right. a disservice to our just inherent connection to an authentic truth oh, yeah word hell yeah dude fucking arvin vora 2020 <laughs> yeah so yeah so i think that, that that's probably about it for this week uh, i'd like to thank arvin for coming on thanks guys for having me on oh yeah man always dude yeah always great times and uh we have uh t-shirts available over at libertariancountry.com and if you type in the code prl or the code prl podcast you will receive a 10 percent discount they have a bunch of cool t-shirts over there so check them out if you want some liberty swag and until next time swag. live free or die That is shed. Drinking the flags and the tax bombs in red. Poisoned by a few at the expense of the many. Soldiers and cards and the death machine. You can't justify killing by economic gain. For 
That's the way.